This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today. We have a lot to get to because we are joined by the one, the only, hot off, I don't even know what to say about this season, Miss Candace Dillard Bassett. Hi. Hello. As I say, hello. I'm here. We have good just so much. It's good to see you too. What have you been up to? What are you up to? Tell me everything. Oh my God. Well, um, I'm like everybody, I'm trying to stay sane. I'm trying to, you know, maintain some level of normalcy. Like I try to eat at normal times. I try to like check. I was just thinking earlier today, like I feel like I'm losing cognitive skills. Like you forget how to talk right and how to just be a human around people because you're we've just been sequestered for so long for for the entire year so that's been a struggle you know as it has been i'm sure for everybody i'm in school i'm getting my masters in business administration at howard university uh my my alma mater and so we just finished my accounting class and that almost took me out like like accounting can go to hell. I know we need it for life, but accounting can go to hell. Like I, I hated it. So we just finished for the first term yesterday. So wow. I had two glasses of wine to celebrate that. And you know, I'm, I'm also celebrating the end of another era. That would be season five of The Real Housewives of Potomac. Drop the mic, we're done. I can't tell you how happy I am to be done with it. You know, I'm sure that the fans are sad. I'm not, I have to say. I, okay, there's so much to unpack right there. First of all, I majored in accounting. I'm a CPA. <gasps> I used to, so anytime you need help with accounting. Where have you been? I don't know. Like, where have you been? Okay, well, we have econ next term. So I will, I'm gonna call this you is, crying. Okay? I'm like a closet smart person. Before this, I used to practice corporate <laughs> tax law back in like another lifetime. That is crazy. Did you, so how did you just start? Cause I, I, I know you're getting your MBA from Howard. Like when did you decide to do that? Like just after all the drama from, and we're going to get into the season. You just said, I need to oh complicate my yeah. life more. And I think I need an MBA now. Yeah. Well, no, I am crazy in that way where if I feel like I'm not doing enough, if I'm doing 27 things, like the, like the person inside of me says, no, 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 you need to add. 15 more things to the 27 you're already doing. But for my master's, I've always wanted to obtain an advanced degree. I grew up in a household where my parents were physicians. They had advanced degrees. Education was always very important to me growing up and it was instilled in me very early. So I always knew, I used to want to be a doctor. And then wow. when I discovered that math and science were not really my friends, I had to sort of veer off and take a different path. And so I, I majored in journalism at Howard for my undergraduate degree. And I thought I was gonna be Frederica Whitfield and like anchor the weekend news on CNN. 
Um, I love writing. I love writing copy. I love producing. I love being in front of the camera, behind the camera. I loved all of it. And then I kind of veered off into politics and then pageantry. And now I'm a household. It's like my, it's, it's a mess. It's all a mess. But education was always at the foundation of that. So I always kind of felt this pressure to have to have another, another degree because my parents are doctors, you know, and my parents' friends are all PhDs and, you know, four or five master's degrees. That's just what I grew up around. So for me, success is equated to education. And it was just a matter of finding the degree that I wanted to get and that I would enjoy. And as an entrepreneur, as a business owner growing up around business, it makes sense that I should want to pour more into myself and supplement what I already know about business with an MBA. So boom, here she is crying over accounting homework on her MBA program. But I mean, in a way, because I'm just like you, what is your sign? Like what's your... Oh, I'm, I'm a Sag. My birthday is on the 14th of this month. Wow. Because I need yeah. to do 800 things at once too. So I get it. But what is your sign? Gemini. Oh my God. You all are crazy. Y'all are nuts. We're fun though. We're a lot of fun. You are a lot of fun. I will say that. I dated a Gemini and he was a lot of fun, but he was a freaking nut. The, the evil twin. We just, we, we got a lot going on in our minds, yes. but like you, I need to do 9,000 things. things at once. And I, I have a hard time saying no, like I could find yes. the like glimmer in like, I'm like 90% of this sounds awful. And then wait, I, yes. I know how to make this work and why not yep. add this? Why not? Yeah. And then but you also, do it and you're like, I wish, I wish I said why no. Why am I doing this? Yeah. But also I'll add to that too. I do feel like our society has created this culture of, I got to hustle. I got to be on my grind at all times. If I'm not dying because I'm like juggling 20 balls, that didn't sound right, but juggling, you know, 27 things, then, then you're, you're failing at life. And I feel like that school of thought is not healthy. And I think that wow. we need to start to embrace you know, a school of thought that says it's okay to take a break. It's okay to go on vacation. It's okay to focus all of your energy into one thing and be great at that one thing. And I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself here and to you too, I think, but yeah. I think that's, a, that's like a, a part of this, this unhealthy, like the married to the grind culture that is not always healthy. Well, I live in New York city, so. Oh it's, my God. It's even, yeah. I don't even know, but. Yeah. I mean, did it at least help, you know, because we're home with COVID, like you kind of timed yeah. your MBA right, right? So funny story. I had been putting off um, applying for the MBA because I was going to have to retake the GRE. My scores are like really, really old. I think it's five or seven years they last and you have to retake it. And then the test was different. And I was dreading having to study yeah. for the GRE. It's like the bane of my existence is standardized tests. Um, so that was holding me up. So then this is just a note to everybody as well. Like universities right now are like hurting for money because they had to refund a lot of these students, these undergraduate students who were sent home at the beginning of COVID. So a lot of universities are waiving um, the standardized tests, they're waiving oh, wow. fees just to entice people to come in and, and give them, essentially give them, give you their money. Um, so they, I, it, it was, it wasn't an easy process because you still had to do all of the chasing down the recommendation letters 
and writing the the, um, the mission statement or writing your your de declaration statement, whatever it's called, your declaration statement is for why you want to attend this university. Um, like chasing down the the administrators to get my um, my uh, transcripts, like all like yeah, all that stuff, and then just mentally preparing. I took um, like a statistics course just to prepare my mind for um, an MBA. So there's a lot of work that goes into it, but it is, this is the time to yeah. go back and get your degree. And then my friend Calvin, who's doing the course with me, we decided to do it together. He said to me, Candace, this is the best time. You're never going to be in a position like you are in right now where you're at home, you have to be at home. This is the best time to get your degree. And you're never going to have a time like this ever again. God, willing you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever want to be in the situation again right but no this was the best time so I had to kind of hustle um at the end of the summer to, to get all my paperwork together to meet the debt I barely made the deadline and thank god for whatever reason they let me in and so now I'm getting this degree and no standardized test so that's but I have to ask because you mentioned letters of recommendation did you get ask anyone on the cast to write you because since everyone likes to write letters these days apparently oh, hey. right see now I'm bringing the shade early on and I don't usually bring shade in interviews I must feel comfortable with you bringing the shade Seriously. oh my god no I would no shade I the qualifications don't quite measure up for what I needed in this group to write a recommendation letter for me. No, I, I had pretty awesome recommendation letters. I had one of my former bosses at the White House write me a letter. I had um, my favorite professor who is now like in this, works in the superintendent's office in uh, the state of, I'm from Georgia, in the state of Georgia. He wrote my letter, one of my other letters. And my third one was a former, a former employer from somewhere from the, I worked at the W my former employer at the W uh -huh. so two of my my letters were pretty they were pretty good well if you ever need help with accounting you know who to call I absolutely will I will I need your number I will call you for sure because I promise you I was crying I was crying speaking of Georgia did you love growing up in Atlanta I loved I love the south I am I'm a southern girl at heart through and through. I always will be. Um, my family is from the South. My, my mom and my dad are both from Alabama. Um, I was born in Biloxi, Mississippi. My dad was in the Air Force. We actually moved up here to the, to the, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area for a while. And then we settled in Georgia where most of my family, a lot of my family is. So I, I literally am a Georgia peach, like in my soul. I'm also a Washingtonian. I've lived in DC now for over 15 years. I came here to go to Howard undergrad and I just, I never left, but I like in my heart, I'm a Southern girl. I'm a Southern belle with a little, a little spice, a little ginger on top. But no, I, I absolutely loved my childhood and growing up in the South. There's just something so special about Southern hospitality and the air in Georgia when it's not pollen season, of course, and just the people. It's just, it's, it's a wonderful place to grow up and raise a family. Do you watch Southern Charm on Bravo? I, I watch, yeah. I watch New Orleans. To. New Orleans. I've never really gotten into the original until I did see that Southern Charm is adding some color to the scene. 
which I was very excited about. And so one of the girls, Vanita Aspen, I think is her name. She interviewed me as a part of this Bravo Instagram thing. And she's so sweet, beautiful woman, beautiful girl. She just posted that she was on with um, Megan Pickney, who is a former Miss South Carolina USA. I don't know her personally, but I know her. I'm a pageant girl knows another pageant girl. And it was just a, a smattering, like a sprinkle of color. And I was this, like, oh. They're mixing I'm it up. Into it. I love mi- it. It's, I love it's it. good. And they have There's a, a Persian. new Persian. The yes. Persian girl. Yes. I, so I am, my interest is peaked now where it was not really before, if I'm being honest. It's a good season. But I never saw the New Orleans. But I get so many DMs from people that listen to the show that tell me you need to have all the cast members of New <gasps> Orleans on. So people are requesting oh. them. They, so when we did Giselle's um, trip to New Orleans last season, they, we invited the cast to one of, uh, to Giselle's father, um, Mr. Graves, his birthday party. And a lot of the cast came. They're amazing. They're hilarious. They're, they're all gorgeous. They're just like, just drops of chocolate and just gorgeousness. And they're, they're super fun. Like they're amazing, super fun people. I think you're giving me another Bravo show to watch, which is... Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's entertaining. It's really entertaining. And, like, the drama with, um, what's her name? Reagan and her ex-husband, and then she gets, she gets pregnant. She, like, leaves her husband, the, the redheaded guy, and then she meets this new guy, and then she's pregnant in, like, five minutes, and then she's getting married, and the, husband, the ex-husband is running down the street in the middle of the night. And it's, I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, it's good. What about being a pageant girl? Did you, how did you get into that? Did you love being a pageant girl? I, pageantry is like my sport. I started competing when I was like five years old. My mom put me in my first pageant at five years old. Um, and I just never gave it up. I had to end up like begging her to allow me to keep competing because it's a lot of work on her to have to like take me to find the dress and the interview outfit and like the, the optional of the talent outfit. And then she's getting me dressed backstage. She's doing my makeup and my hair. So it was, and like practicing questions, like all of that stuff. She was like my pageant mom with all of that. And she, it wasn't her favorite thing, but I loved it. It pageantry has taught me so much about how to survive on a reality show full of nutty women, um, how to be scrappy and very savvy and, you know, how to speak in front of a crowd or speak, you know, in an interview such as this, like it just, it teaches you so many life skills when you really put your all into it. I have a pageant consulting firm where I actually help women find their brand and figure out how to compete and where best to compete. And we teach them stage presence and onstage question, public speaking. We work with them on their bios, just finding who they are. So it's, that's my, my, my sport. I love me some pageantry. Wow. Was the competitiveness, I mean, and all of that of pageantry, I mean, is that true? Am I making that backstory up or is it really like what you think? So it's like anything, there's always a little bit of sensationalism attached to it. So like toddlers and tiaras on the TLC show, um, there is some truth to that. I personally never experienced anyone like, you know, cutting up my dress or cutting the top off my lipstick or, you know, being really mean to me. Some of my best friends are my pageant. We call it, they're, they're my pageant sisters. I call them my pageant sisters. And, you know, it's, it's such a broad and vast network 
of people that you meet. Like when I need legal advice, legal advice, when I need a, a doctor, when I need, you know, a designer, whatever you need, pageant women make up every facet of every career that you could ever think of. And they just, they're, they're, my friends are amazing women. I have heard stories, however, I will say of, you know, people being mean or, you know, misplacing a shoe. So that does happen. It never happened to me though. I, the pageant gods were smiling on me. So I didn't, I didn't have that experience. See, that's good. So you came to DC to go to Howard and then you fell in love and stayed in the area. So where did you meet Chris? So I met Chris at a restaurant. So I was working. So in 2013, I was reigning as Miss United States. And you really couldn't have like a full-time job because you're traveling all the time. But I wanted to have just a little extra money. So I started working um, at a restaurant in DC that ended up turning into more of a full-time position. So I ended up working as the assistant marketing and finance director at this, at this restaurant. And Chris was a manager there. And we literally met, just he came in his first day or his first week and he introduced himself to me. Hey, I'm the new manager. And I was like, oh, hey, okay, anyway, whatever. And then we ended up working at the, there were two locations. We ended up working at the same location together. And it's really like small office. If you've ever been in a restaurant, you know, the offices in a restaurant are like this big. Yeah. And we would, we just started talking as friends. He was divorced. He had kids. And I always said, I will never marry a man who is divorced. I'll never marry a man that has kids. I will never date. I don't want to date a man like that. That's just, it's just counterproductive for me. So I ended up telling him this because he kind of was flirting with me and I showed him a picture of my kitchen and he was like, oh, when can I come cook in your kitchen? And I was like, nope, no, thank you. And we, so from then on, we kind of, I think that that eased any like thoughts of him thinking that he would get to be anything more than friends. So we were just friends for years, like three or four years, we were just friends. We left that restaurant, kept in touch, would hang out in like groups. And then we worked together again at the W and he was like flirting with me a little bit. And I launched my pageant consulting firm while I was working there. And he took me out to celebrate and he takes me to this really nice restaurant. And I'm thinking, this is not something that a friend does. This is more than a friend. And from that day to this day, we have been together. Like we, we left the restaurant, went to two other bars, fell asleep in my car talking and then he came over the next night and the next night, the next night, the next night. And we just. Before we continue this conversation, I just want to say that 2020 has certainly been a year. And at the beginning of quarantine, there was a lot getting in the way of my happiness and achieving my goals. And I turned to BetterHelp, which is online professional counseling. And it really helped me not only achieve happiness during this time, but really achieve my goals. Behind the Velvet Rope went from two times a week to four times a week. And I wrote a book, the Behind the Velvet Rope book. So for anyone that feels that things are getting in the way of their happiness and achieving their goals, I strongly recommend BetterHelp. You don't even have to leave your house. It is online professional counseling. And what I love about it is you can start communicating with them within 24 hours of signing up. Anyone that knows me knows that 
If you don't get back to me, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. These counselors get back to you in a very timely manner and you're really matched with a counselor that fits your needs. If you get a counselor that you don't like, you can just request another counselor. Everything, of course, is confidential. They deal with a variety of issues, depression, stress, anxiety, sleep. We're all having trouble sleeping during this. Trauma, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem, grief, LGBTQIA issues. And I have to say, it is actually more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available for anyone that cannot afford it. So they're growing so rapidly, and so many people are turning to BetterHelp for help that they're looking for additional counselors in all 50 states. Go to betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope betterhelp.com slash velvet rope and you get 10% off your first month. Join over 1 million people today taking charge of their mental health. You're not alone. If you need help, this is a great solution. Betterhelp.com slash velvet rope and get 10% off your first month. We, he never left. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that all worked out, right? Yeah, I would say so. I still like him. That you know what? That's good because yeah. I think there's a lot of married people that don't necessarily like each other. So Listen, and quarantine, honey, will reveal those truths. Very right? Quickly. Yeah, a lot of people learned about their spouses in a way they maybe didn't think they would. A lot, and there was a lot of divorce. I feel totally like, that happened in quarantine. Like people just maybe were thinking about it and they pulled the trigger because COVID just like exacerbated everything totally i think either that or you're like wow i married the right person it's one of those or so that's so funny so we actually did a panel with three other couples and that was one of the questions what's the biggest lesson you've learned in quarantine as a married couple and we both said that quarantine has taught us that we married the right person like i'm if i wasn't sure before I'm, I'm 100% sure now that Chris is my person and I'm his person. And we, that, that was something that became very clear to us. Thanks that's to quarantine. Good. That's, yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I like him. Well, that's, you know, now before we get it, I got lots of questions about acting and singing and your businesses. You go, you do, you do it all, but let's, let's, before we get there to all these exciting yeah. things that you're doing, let's just take a trip down the RHOP lane for a second. Yes. Well, here's my question. So before you're even involved in this, like, were you a fan? You don't have to say yes. Like, are you, were you a fan of like reality TV? Like, did you watch Bravo? Like, are you just a reality TV fan or? No, of course. I think you, you, you're, you'd be remiss if you did not at least study it a little bit before you, you know, you dive into this ocean of craziness that is reality TV. But yes, I was a, I've always loved reality TV, starting, I think, with The Real World. I love The Real World. Uh-huh. Um, I watched At- Atlanta Housewives was the first show I watched because I'm from Atlanta. So it's like, oh my God, who are these women on this show? Where are they eating? Who do they know? Like, you wanted to know all those things. And then, obviously, when Potomac started, one of my first questions was, where was I when they was casting for this? Because, like... You're, I'm I'm cute and funny and entertaining, and it's funny because I said to we were watching the show in bed, and I was like, I should be on the show. Like that should just be a thing. And literally, 
then or two years later, they were reaching out to me. So I kind of spoke that into existence, which, you know, I regretted many times this year, but <laughs> overall it's, it's been a crazy experience, but yeah, reality TV has always kind of been a part of my, my TV repertoire. Did you know any of the Atlanta women? Like, did you watch and say, oh, like, my, like, I don't know if your parents still live there or anything like that, or no, you just, yeah. you knew like the places, but you didn't know any of them. You no, so it. we, yes, I, I knew all the places. Um, through several degrees of separation, um, a friend of my mom's was friends with Lisa Wu. Mm -hmm. um, and then Candy, when she came on, Candy actually briefly mentored a girl group that I was in when I was in high school. Um, and I, and uh, one of my best friends, coworkers friends is friends with Phaedra. So you would hear like, and when you like know people who know people who know reality stars, you just hear a lot of gossip. It's like, oh, my so-and-so knows this person and they told me that they cheat on their husbands on Saturdays. Like, so it's, it's like just, just gossip that you hear, but it's- right. I never, I didn't personally know any of the Atlanta women. And now that you're on a show, you know just how valid all that gossip is and how, you know, much you should or should not pay attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you literally were watching Potomac just and were like, you, you watched the first two seasons before you were reached out to. Yeah. And I, so originally I was watching because number one, I was really excited that you know, finally we're getting another Black cast because for the longest time, Atlanta was the resident, you know, cast of, of Black women with every other cast being predominantly white. Yeah. So it was exciting to see, oh my God, look, finally, Bravo is giving us another cast of women of color who will, you know, hopefully show that Black women are not monolithic that we have a lot to offer that we're diverse that we you know we're funny and we're interesting and that we have lives that are just as worthy of you know this platform as anybody else so i watched originally to support the show because i wanted it to do well for those reasons and then i think after their first season it was like a lot of mixed reviews and a lot of my friends had, would say like oh you know i boring I don't really like it it's not my thing and I'm like no we got to give it a chance this show has to do well I want a black show on Bravo to do well and it got better and then you know season three surprise <laughs> yes well season three is when it all changed like so they just someone just reached out to you like it wasn't like you didn't know any of the cast members like you didn't know anyone on it per se so I knew of Ashley Darby and so Ashley ended up being the person who brought me on as her friend because we had the pageant connection. But no, as far as the way that they find you, they are always casting. Yeah. The network is always casting and um, looking for interesting women. It always helps when people come from within the circle because it, it's a more natural, more organic um, in. So for example, I knew Wendy for a short time before she was brought onto the show. So it made sense for her to come in as my friend. And I'm so glad that she did. She had, I think, an amazing debut season. Yes. It's amazing to see uh, another woman of color who is dark skinned, um, who is also so intelligent, so smart she, with her four degrees and she's proud of it. I, I think she just, she, she shows a, yet another side 
of Black women, women of color, of all hues on this platform that you don't normally get to see. So I'm very excited for her entrance. I think she had a great season too. I mean, I don't know who would think she, like, she's been, I don't know how anyone could think she hasn't. Like, she's been, you know. Yeah. No, she, she, she did her job. She, she came in, she did what she needed to do. But there's always, like you said, you could be, you know, sitting in your room, as I like to say, counting pennies and somebody's going to find something wrong and complain about yes. something that you're doing. So, you know, but. Or you say something and one little word is off and someone's like. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, you should be more upset about this or what. I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. yeah. So having watched this show for two years and then being part of it in the third season, were you like, did any was there any reservations you had, like having watched it? Was Chris on board? Was your mother on board? Was everyone on board? Or were you all like, this is going to be great, but I'm not so 100% sure? Well, so no, my, my mom was like, let's go, let's do this. What are we wearing? She was all into it. She was all for it. Chris had reservations, um, you know, as oftentimes husbands are kind of like, uh, what is this? So Chris and I kind of sat down together and decided that, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to embark on this journey together. But one of the things that we promised ourselves was that we would stay connected and stay, remain a unit. And it really has been sort of us against the world in this experience, which I think is the the best way. And we said we were going to use this platform to advance our careers and to do the things we've always wanted to do. And we've both really been able to do that. Chris with his um, Try Hungry, which is the catering company that he's able to work with now. He does cooking classes and catering classes online, obviously now because of COVID. And there are other things in the works that I can't talk about yet. Um, They're happening with Chris and his culinary prowess. And then of course with me and my music that I'm able to, I'm working on music. I've been able to connect with some of the most amazing producers and songwriters. Um, and labels because of my platform on this show, my BET movie, The Christmas Lottery, that's coming out this Saturday on BET at 8 p.m. These are all things that I've always wanted to do. Um, My Netflix um, appearance on Family Reunion, that should be coming out next year with Tia Mowry and Loretta Devine. Um, All of these things are because of the show, and that's that's been the blessing is that I've been able to really use it to express my, my talent. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Have you, okay, well, I was going to ask you later, but I'll ask you, have you always wanted to do acting as well? I mean, is that always something you wanted to kind of pursue? Yeah, I've been acting for years. I I have my IMDb is up and and running. Um, So you can check that out if you wanted to see some of the smaller things that I've done. Um, But it's, I've always been an artist at heart. I've always loved theater and film. I've, I've been taking acting classes for several years. I used to take the mega bus to New York every Tuesday 
I would leave work, get on the bus, get to New York. It lets you off at 27th and 7th. And then I would walk to Ripley Greer and take the class from 9 to 11, then get back on the bus across from the Javits Center and ride back to D.C., get there at like 4 a.m. and go to work um, later that day. So, And I did that for two or three years. Wow. Um, so it's it's always been what I knew I wanted to do. And I've always acted just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slow and steady climb. You know, very, very, very often, not very often do you just sort of become catapulted into, you know, scandal or you know one of the the great big shows but that is that's where I am headed I'm claiming that um and that's what I've one of the things I've always wanted to do did you watch scandal I was obsessed with scandal are you kidding me possibly like the best shows ever to exist in the world so I will tell you and I'm kind of embarrassed about this now but I don't like endings I still have not watched the finale of scandal because I don't want it to be over. I've not watched the finale of um, How to Get Away with Murder. I've not watched. I kind of gave up on Grey's. I, so I love Shonda Rhimes. I yes, love her. She's I phenomenal. Was, she's incredible. But I was so mad at her when she killed McDreamy, and then when Sandra Oh left, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't. So I had to like put Grey's to the side. But I can't watch the finale of Scandal because then it'll, it'll be over. And I was obsessed with that show. I loved that show. Can I just tell you, and I'm not just saying this, so I watched the end of How to Get Away with Murder. I have not watched the end of Scandal either. I swear to God, I cannot. Oh my God, see? Yes! I, I can't, I can't. Like, I have it. I mean, I could watch it. I just Thanks. can't. Like, the last, like, three or four episodes, I'm like, I have to stop now. Like, I, I don't want right. to deal with it. It just... In my mind, it has to just like, they have to live in purgatory, like in my mind right here. I can't handle it being over. Yeah, no, that's so funny. <laughs> Olivia Pope is one of the best characters in TV history. In life. Phenomenal. In life. She's legendary. She will be referenced for years to come. I, I truly believe it. I, and the cast is still so close. Yes. They always like pop in on each other. I'm like, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, I don't know, there'll be a reprise at some point. You know, I, I know Shonda is very strict about like her characters having their beginning, their middle, and their end. And like once they're gone, the, the characters resolved their you know whatever, and they've moved on. But I would hope that like you know if the public cries enough and we scream enough that maybe we could have like a little reprise or Something. a spinoff. You know, yeah. Because the whole cast was like phenomenal. It was just it, some of the best, and then just the way that they. You had to be a, cut from a certain cloth to be a part of that cast because they all had that sort of cadence where they spoke really fast and talked like this and and if you're not like this, you can't be a joke. And it's like, it was just, it was a, I don't call it a cult, but it was like, it was a club and you had to know how to conduct yourself in this club to be a part of this cast. And they all just had it in the bag. They nailed it. Like, and I, it's hard I dialogue. Yes, it, it, it's a lot of right? that. Yeah, I still quote Darby Stanchfield when she's like, we're going to follow you over a cliff, over a cliff. Like, it's, it's just, it's such a good show. It's- it was literally, Grey's though, I have to say, it's still, How to Get Away with Murder, the last season, kind of lost me. I mean, I stayed That's there. That's what I've heard. I got like a little confused and I'm like, yeah. I was also watching it like kind of half-assed. I mean, yeah. so it kind of lost me, but Grey's yeah. is still good. Is it? I, 
feel betrayed because I watched Grey's from the very Grey's was like me I feel too. Like my generation's ER. Like, yeah, like, like you know, our parents had ER. Grey's was our thing, and you become so attached to these characters because Shonda's such a great storyteller. And then it's like people are dying and they're leaving, and then you know people are being fired for you know saying crazy stuff. And it just, which I could handle, but you had your core. Your core was still there. So, but then it's like, Shonda, you gonna take McDreamy from me? I just, I gotta go. I have to leave. I'm packing my bags. I have to get off of this, this, camp, this campus. I can't do this anymore. I get it. But that's what I love is like, you never, like someone could really be gone. Like same with go. murder. Like real characters yes. are like, wait, you just killed Wes and how to get away with murder? Like he's the like, star of the whole show. How do you? Yeah, no, it's, but I, I get attached. So you can't do that to me. Like, that's why I could never watch, um, uh, what's the show where everybody dies on HBO? Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, I, I never got into it. It's not my type Me neither, of. no. But people would say like- People love main it. Main characters would just be axed and you just never knew who was gonna go. I can't, I can't engage with shows like that. Like, I feel like I'm being betrayed by the actors, by everyone. I like, I need my main characters to be there. Same here, but Scandal, yeah. same thing. No ending yeah. for me. Eventually, so funny. it's on the list, but I don't, right. I, mean, I don't know what I'm same. waiting for. We're home during COVID, but not yet, right. not yet. Yeah, no, I, I don't feel it yet. Maybe one day, but not, Olivia not Pope is alive and well in my mind. The show in is still mine, going on. And in mine, yes. Right? Yeah. So, okay, so this season, of Real Housewives of Potomac. So look, we all uh -huh. watched this on yes. TV. Yes. You know, but being there and going through this, like when this was taking place, I mean, you know, you were on for two seasons. You had moments. Yes, like we all- I did. Well, let me ask you this. Were you shocked? Like when you, season three, season four were on the show, like right away, you know, you watched it. Was it what you expected? Or were you like, no, these women really are actually batshit crazy. And this is real drama way worse than I thought. Prior to no. this season, prior when to I, this season. Yeah, yeah. No, when I first joined, it was probably what I expected. Um, you know, and again, because I was a steward of reality TV, I right. had watched it. I knew the game. I knew what I was walking into for the most part. Um, so I, I thought I was pre as prepared as you can be. You cannot prepare for everything because you never know how you're going to react in a situation until you are in that situation. That's just, that's the case for, and that's my philosophy for anything in life. Like you don't know until you're actually in it. So right. A lot of, you know, certain things that happened, like I wasn't expecting to get on that sprinter on the way to Nemecolon and get into that spat with Sharice with the geriatric granny comment. I wasn't expecting that, but in the moment, and I think that's what was entertaining about it and what I think is entertaining about my caricature on the show is that I'm always gonna have something ready. My mouth is always on fire. It's always hot. It's always lit. So, you know, that I wasn't prepared for that moment at all. And I was actually kind of like shaking as I was yelling at Sharice. And like, I think Giselle and Robin were coming at me at one moment. It was, there was a lot going on and I, I, I wasn't expecting it, but I also knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, peaches and cream because that's not 
what we, what we what people want to see. Right. Um, but no, I, I think that I, I had a pretty, as, as good a grip as I could on my first two seasons. Yeah. That's good. And so then we get to this season. <clears throat> so here's a, one question. So this event, which has taken place. Yes. Not to make not to make you relive it because I'm sure that you have relived it 800 times, but you can count. You know, like so we're all watching it on TV. Yes, Yes. you know, and that's one thing. But like when this was actually happening, I mean, it's not nothing to do with the show. But like when this was happening, were you just like shocked? I mean, it happened quickly. I would assume. Yeah. Well, yes and no. It 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 happened quickly, but. When I was down on the table, it felt like I was down there for like 10 minutes. Um, and then the, the, when I came up and Eric, our, our co-executive producer is like holding me like his child, that all went fast. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. Um, and I was really angry. Like you, like you psychotic person. And you hear me screaming like, you what you know ratchet ass whatever I was saying um that all kind of went really fast and then they were begging me to get in the car and I'm like why why do I why am I being asked to leave and I felt like I was being reprimanded not knowing that the reason that I was being begged to get into this car was because the producer that was with her was on the mic like she's on the loose and she's, that's when you see her running around the, the winery like a zoo animal. It's like, so they, they didn't know what was coming. And we, you can't control a person who's out of control like that. And it's not in any of their job descriptions to break up physical altercations, our producers. So they were, you know, concerned about my safety, which is why they were asking me to get in the car. But at the time I was like, oh, why do I have to leave? I didn't do it. But, you know. Like, that's what was going through your mind. Like, because you didn't really know. You're like, why am I being reprimanded? I didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, and you kind of see some of this. We talked about this at the reunion that is starting um, next week. Yes. Cue dramatic music. Um, three parts, right? Three parts, yes, yes. Um, no, I, I said this at the reunion that, you know, there's a formula for any show and there's a formula for reality television shows and there are formulas within that for housewife shows and, you know, shows that are about family and shows that are about, you know, whatever, about makeovers, there's a formula. And these shows that, that we are on are about relationships and, you know, the ebbs and flows of those relationships and you watch for the ebbing and the flowing and the ebbing and then the flowing. And if we were all just, you know, braiding each, other's, braiding each other's hair and like feeding each other oatmeal and smiling and laughing, it's like, okay, I'm bored, this is boring. So you watch for the contention as much as you watch for, you know, the fashions and, you know, the friendships and, the, and how it all kind of like melds together. And me arguing, with her was an age old thing that you had seen 
yeah. on every show from OC all the way to um, Salt, Salt Lake. Lake City, right? Um, that was not out of the ordinary. Um, what was out of the ordinary was what happened when one person realized they could not handle the verbal stylings of Candace's arguing. And that's not my problem or my business. You need to go take that up with whomever you pray to and leave me out of it and leave me alone and stop lying. Lying how so? Lying about everything. Like lying about all of it. And I don't want to get into all of that, but I mean, you just watching a show, you've seen the severe discrepancies in what has been said via blogs and her and her team, and then what was aired. And Bravo, I, Bravo doesn't owe me anything to, to um, hide anything or make me look better than I need to look. Um, and they haven't. They showed everything as it happened. And there were so many discrepancies and lies and you know half-truths and mistruths from the very beginning to this very day. Is there anything about like that scene that you feel like wasn't shown by Bravo? Oh my God. What's funny, and this is this is unprecedented for Bravo. They essentially showed the raw footage. I was expecting them to chop it up and you know cut things and move things around because I did have the raw footage that was subpoenaed when I filed my charges. So I did get to, I didn't actually watch it for several months, but when I did watch it, it was, you know, long. And of course they cut out, like they cut out, like she was walking around looking for me for a long time. So they shortened that, but <clears throat> no, the, the chronology of it, Every, they literally just pushed play and just let it ride. There was no doctoring at all, really, from what, what I saw. You know, things happened after I left. I can't speak. Well, yes, I can, because I saw those on camera, on the raw footage, too. All of that was as it happened. When she was walking around looking for you on the raw footage that wasn't edited, what was that like? An hour, like, approximately? Mm, maybe, like five to seven minutes. Wow. Yeah. So that was cut down. Just opening doors, like not saying anything, just walking, looking in the dark, like, like wow. they do in the zoo. Did you feel like as this was happening or right, like, did you feel <clears throat> unsafe or did you feel like producers broke it up as quick as they reacted or did you feel you know sometimes when things are happening you have a moment yeah. of like you don't know what's going on like yeah you know like you get punched in the face and you say ow like right 20 minutes later like yeah, did you right. feel unsafe or was it like immediate everyone's jumping on everyone to break this up I it all happened so fast um but I remember very quickly feeling like there were 20 people on top of me so I think that, you know, there was a quick reaction. And then when you see it, when you see it, it kind of looks like it was a little bit delayed to me. But I felt like in the, in, in the moment as I'm there, it, it felt like people were, you know, coming in to kind of pull us apart or pull her away um, quickly. That's how it felt. 
So that's good, right? I mean, yeah. so you didn't really feel unsafe other than what was happening per se. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like it's not, it's not Bravo's or Truly's responsibility to, you know, keep us from being physically accosted. Like this is not WWE, this is Housewives. And no one expected someone who is, you know, employed and at work to lose it like that and fly off the handle. So. Yeah. I mean, certainly this isn't what anyone expects going to work producers. Cause I mean, the amount of times something like physical education has happened in reality TV. Yeah. Well, especially on housewives, it's few and far between. 100%. Yeah. There's always a, there's a line. And I think a lot, we've seen a lot of housewives push the envelope and like push the line I've always used uh, Lisa Renna as an example when she cracks that glass on the table. Don't you talk about my husband? Um, that and of course, you know, um, I think Portia and Kenya kind of took it too far. Um, but you've seen a lot. Of Leanne when she like pulls off her belt and, and she's and went cuckoo for cocoa puffs. So you've seen people, you know, push the line, but never really cross it outside of. Um, Portia, who is has proven herself to be um, the sidekick of all. I guess Monique would be Portia's sidekick, and just the the two wild people defending each other, which is very cute. Um, but you you know the line when you have sense, and as I like to say, scruples. Um, and when you don't, when you when you don't, it shows. It shows how you were raised and who you really are. And speaking of like sides and like Portia, like, so when all, you know, this happens, everyone talks about it before it happens, you know, it's pretty clear from watching it, what happens. What about all of the online people who were like, you know, you baited her, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this, but what about when all of that was happening? I mean, there was was, some element of that. Oh, there was a lot of that. That for me, it felt like that was all of it. That bombarded it 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 took over um that's the kind of stuff that can send people to the loony bin it can send you you know underneath a bottle of pills it can send you out it can take you out and it it almost took me out and i mean i imagine it's hard because i mean even like we're all on social media i mean yeah like i imagine it's hard not to read all of that when you're going through it well i you know, I try to be as, you know, as honest and authentic as I can be. And I'm not, I'm never going to sit up here. Like, you know, I'm, I have no problem admitting to you that, yeah, I watched reality TV. Yes, I watched Potomac before I was on it. I watched Atlanta. Of course I did. I have no problem admitting that, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've been, I understand what, like, what it feels like to be in that place. And then eventually you just started ignoring all those comments and moving on. Well, yes. To this day, it's still difficult, but I've gotten a lot better. My, I think my skin has gotten a lot thicker. I thought I had thick skin. I, I, I didn't. I was wrong about that. Um, but no, yes. I think that over time, you either adjust to it or it consumes you. And I'm still here. So it hasn't consumed me. So you just, you learn to adjust and, and understand 
you know, this like for me, it's under it's understanding the psychology behind it, and that most of these people are they don't know they know not what they do or what they say, they're just spouting off. And my issue is, I always sort of put myself in everybody else's position. So I'm always quick to say, I would never do that. I would never say that. And I always use the example when before I was ever known for reality television and I'm watching like the Kardashians, I never felt entitled enough to get on my phone and tell Kim Kardashian what I thought about her. Like she, Kim does not care. You, you are, you are a blip on the map. You are a crumb, you know, in a haystack to Kim. Why do you feel so entitled to let her know that you think that she is, you know, wearing clothes that are too tight or you know, her hair is ugly or that she's a whore or whatever people say about her. Why, like, who, who do you think you are? And that's, that's another thing about social media. It's created this, another kind of culture that gives people access to people and it makes them think they're entitled to bits and pieces of their lives that they're just, you're not entitled to this. And because I share my life with you, does not give you license to just think that you own every part of me and can comment on every part of me with, with no reaction or no response. I could not agree with you more. I have every, I don't understand it at all. I don't know, never like you in a million trillion years, would I ever pick up my phone and think to say, you look disgusting last night on the show. How dare you wear, I don't understand what, well, like, and I mean, for, so I would never do that, but I also, you know, I have all these guests on and people will then comment on my own thing, like blah, blah, blah. And I hate this person. And they go, and I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I'm still going to have this person back on. Right. I don't agree with that. And why I don't understand. Did you listen to the episode? Cause it sounds like you did. (laughs) So I don't understand it. Like, I don't know. I I don't know if it's this weird, like people want to be heard. I think they want you to respond. I think they, they want to be heard. Yeah, they do. That's, that's what I've learned as well, is that people, my husband is better at this than I am. He's really good about kind of, when people say evil things to him, he'll be like, well, well, thanks. That's really nice. That's what I do. And people will respond back and be like, oh my God, he responded. I'm so sorry. I didn't think you would ever see it. It's like, what? And he turns them into fans. I have not mastered that because, you know, I'm going to be like, you know, suck a dick. You are an asshole and like, you know, throw like three GRE words at them and then they get really offended and then they repost it and then they bring seven trolls back with them and now they're all like, <laughs> like trying to, you know, take me out of here. And is Chris just like, just kill them with kindness? For the most part. He has moments where he will also be like, you know, explicative explicative you blah 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 you bleep 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 and we you know we're human everybody has those moments and you know it's you don't realize how intense it is until and unless you are in it it really is crazy was it harder like watching it back or it wasn't any worse than being in it or is it just like this happened the fallout and now you know you've been hearing about this for months before the show came back yeah and now you have to get sent you know the weeklies and to watch it before it comes out it was all incredibly difficult 
for me, all of it. Like hearing about it before it all aired and, you know, all of the different versions of different stories. And then, you know, having the season or the trailer come out was really hard. Um, all the commentary. And then it's also, it's a, I'm big on energy. And I felt all of this just toxic energy coming from everywhere. It was, it was like in the air, it was, I was breathing it in, it was awful. That, it, I just, I felt like there were so many eyeballs on me at all times. Like even in the shower, I'm like, God, like, can they see me in here? Like that's how, it, it, that sounds crazy, but that's how, that's how it was for the, the entire, literally, I probably did not feel a weight lifted off of me until re we shot the reunion. I think as I was walking off the set is when I really felt like I was able to leave everything on the set and, and truly begin, you know, the, the healing process of moving forward and, get, and getting the closure. I was just going to say closure. Cause I mean, you filmed this and you know, now you have to promote it. Like, I mean, you yeah. have no choice. You work for Bravo and you're going to have right. to talk about this. Yeah. So that's not an easy thing. Cause no, I mean, I would think like there are probably things like you didn't see, like when you watched it back and you know, they show Monique in with a producer saying, let me free. I'm going to kill her. Or she's been yeah. asking for this and yeah. all that like that. You must've just been like, what? It was, I mean, the first time you see it, the first time I saw it, I didn't, I was numb. But then, of course, I watched it so many times and I felt every emotion. I was shocked. I was disgusted. I was angry about it. I felt like I'd been violated. I felt betrayed because this was someone that in my, in my mind was really my friend. Um, and then you see all of these responses and, you know, people claiming that I'm playing the victim and people seeing things that absolutely did not happen. Like I've heard so many versions of the story where I picked up a knife and I was jabbing at her with a knife. I threw a bottle, I threw the glass, like all before she touched me. And like most of that is not true. The, the truth is, yes, I did have the glass that I was holding in my hand. And after I was pulled out onto the table and being punched in my head, yes, I was swinging the glass because I'm being punched in the top of my head and death gripped by a psychotic person, a crazy person. I'm sorry. Like, did you want me to just do nothing? Like, you know, like ball up and cry and let her beat me up? Like, yeah. And I mean, it's easy for people to say something, but like when you are physically, there are hands on you, I mean, yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to do. No, I'm, I'm supposed to do what I did. And I would do exactly, I would do it exactly the same way if that ever happened again. And if I would, if I ever lost my mind and decided to film with someone like her again, it would happen again. I never would, I never will. But if I, if I was just completely a crazy psycho and I did, it would happen again. She would do it again. 
So you have like no regrets about this particular situation, like how you handled it. Well, I mean, I regret that it happened as a whole. I wish that none of it had happened. I wish that I had just walked away from her again. Um, I walked away from her three or four times before this when she was trying to start an argument. And I would, you know, sort of glaze it over with a, you know, I'm sorry, or I'm, I apologize that you feel that way. Or I did that multiple times, as you all saw. And I didn't do it this time. I engaged her probably mostly because I had been drinking some wine and I was, you know, kind of in my, in my, you know, Candace wine drinking place. Um, but I, yeah, I, I wish every day that I had just walked away again, but she, she would have, it would have still happened. She still would have gone to that place. I'm actually glad it happened where it did happen. Because imagine if we had, if she was able to go to Portugal, which she was not, um, and it had happened in a foreign country. Like, there, you know, we're already a spectacle. You've got six Black women walking around with a crew of 50. We already look like a big red sore thumb. So, you, you know, it's like, what if it had happened there? And who knows who would have called the police and now we're in Portuguese jail and it's, it could have been, it could have been a lot worse, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but it was inevitable. It's, that's exactly what she wanted to happen. She wanted to fight. And think about it. I don't know. What if this happened for whatever reason off camera, like you were, that would be, do you ever think yeah. about that? I mean, that would be, yeah, and there, there weren't, it took these two large men to pry her off of me. If, if they had not been there, you know, and it had been, it was, it was just me and like one of my girlfriends or me and if my husband was, my husband was there, I don't think it would have happened quite like that. But what if it were just me and Chris? And, you know, it's, you, you really, you just, you don't know. You have no idea. And that's, that's the bottom line is that you have a person who is as unpredictable as she is, who will use any and every excuse and, you know, version of a fairy tale fallacy in the book to justify her behavior. I mean, her story changed 15,000 times and with a straight face and no remorse, she's panhandling these cockamamie stories across the United States, like, like people don't have eyes and ears and discernment. Thank you for tuning into our part one sit down with Miss Candace Dillard Bassett. Coming soon, part two, where we get more into the physical altercation, what was going through Candace's mind at the time, what is it like the next morning, the range of emotions that go through your mind, the lawsuit, how Bravo handled it, Ashley, Karen, the other women. We cover it all, guys. Thanks for tuning into this special part one sit down with Miss Candace Dillard Bassett and part two coming soon. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review 
because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.